America. My name is Ami Yosef from Pong. I come to you live every Thursday about this time. And today we're going to talk about why change needs and progress needs ruling class division. A lot of people want to tell you, but Ami, Ami, what needs to happen is the working class needs to, to take over the ruling class and the elite. And that's, and that's how change comes. No, that's not how change comes. The reason why the elite is the elite is because they have power over the working class, right? Like not just material power, but also ideological power. So if you're serious about change, you need the elite fighting each other. You need the rulers fighting each other. And if you're serious about unifying for progress cha uh, progressive change, you need to foment a civil war amongst the ruling class on your behalf. Right? A civil war amongst the ruling class on your behalf. Because as long as all, uh, and in Georgia, as long as the whites all get along, it doesn't really matter what the blacks do. Um, so what you need is to understand that victory comes through civil war. Victory comes through civil war. If you don't understand nothing else but that, um, take that as a lesson. And with that, let me go ahead and hit the opening. To the beach, Never change the ways for the world or the government If it was the president, then I would state facts You leave it up to me, I'll paint the White House black And it can feature in your front Change the ways for the world or the government If it was the president, then I would state facts You leave it up to me, I'll paint the White House black And it can feature in your front And I'm back. And if you just think that I'm kind of, you know, just kind of pulling this out of my head, I'll go back to where, you know, I started thinking about this. This is Plato's Republic. Uh, all right. Book eight. Yeah. All right. Book eight. Uh, page was at 545A. All right. It is this simple that every polity changes from within that part of it that holds the ruling office when conflict becomes present in that. Um, but as long as it is of one's mind, even if it's very small, um, there's, um, it's, it's stable. So you need to destabilize the unity of the ruling class if you're serious about any sort of progressive change. And, he, you know, this is... 500 pages into the work. So he's, he's drawn this argument in a few different ways, but it comes down to that. The only people who matters are the ruling class. And, and, and if they're unified, and insofar as they really are the ruling class, it doesn't matter what the people below me like, want. Because not just their wants, but a lot of their lives, including their wants, are determined by the people in the ruling class. That's what makes them ruling class, right? So people say, like, this means that like, you know, slaves weren't autonomous and all of that. Well, there's a way in which it's not, they're not, right? The, the traditions we have are the traditions we have because often they're the traditions the whites let us have, and that's a problem, right? So spaces for autonomy need to be created and, like, defended. Um, even the HBCUs that we have are the HBCUs we have because these are the ones the whites let us have, right? And so you have to, like... What we need to use is those uh, kind of formal equality and formal autonomy 
to actually secure some sort of real equality. So we might like like secret in some like uh, you know more insidious, not insidious, actually incendiary um, truths about the situation within the formal structure that's secured by, you know, constitutional protections. But you have to understand, just in general, the institutions we have are the institutions the ruling class lets us have. So anyone who's a big institutional person um, in steeped institutions as they are, is going to be a problem. It's going to be a problem for anyone who cares about change. All right, so what does this mean? How are you going to get the, how are you going to get the whites to fight themselves? Well, this is what, this was the fear about critical race theory, right? Critical race theory, you would teach white kids the truth, and then they would come home and start all sorts of little civil wars in their, in their, in their families with the truth. And these are civil wars the parents were not, they didn't want to fight, and the parents were not equipped to win because the truth is on the side of the kids. And by the way, this is why they ended up killing Socrates for corrupting the youth and impiety, but impiety pretty much means, um, you can say not believing the gods of the city, but also not uh, going along with the script. And make no mistake, if you start going, going against the script in America, at some point in time, they're going to call you some variety of impious, uh, unbiased. And that's, you know, you'd be surprised how much social justice you can work, work you can do, and get called unchristian. Um, because it's a very peculiar kind of variety of Christian that upholds, you know, varieties of white supremacy that I'm not really that keen on. Right, so if you actually want to progress as a nation, you got to give up the notion that it's always going to come from the bottom up. It's going to come from the bottom, dividing the top against each other, and the aim is going to be a civil war amongst the rulers. Um, and so, how do you foment that? Well, some of it's going to come from some of it's going to come from material politics. Uh, we're some of it's going to come from ideological politics. When I say ideological politics, you have to understand you're not going to be able to shame the rulers. The rulers don't care about you. You don't have the social position to shame rulers. Like you're just not equipped. <laughs> uh, there's a guy, Jason Stanley, um, who wrote a nice book called How Propaganda Works. And um, one of the arguments is that a lot of knowledge claims you need to have the right social positions to make and intake. So a lot of people won't listen to me because I'm a mouthy black guy, but they'll listen to, uh, you, know, you know, a white woman of a different kind of aesthetic making the same arguments. Right? And that's fine, you just gotta deal with it, right? So you have, knowledge is, you, they're not gonna be shamed by me, but they will be able to be shamed by somebody in a different social position, right? And the goal is going to be able to shame and change and, and foment the war. And this is what, like I said, this was the, this was the fight against critical race theory. Parents didn't want to be shamed by their kids, especially when their kids were right. So we had to police, so they felt like they had to police what's going on in the schools so that those kids don't come home and have to ask about like, you know, is Papa a racist? Because in the parents' eyes, Papa is the one that's going to leave, it, leave them an inheritance. And, you know, that inheritance is jeopardized by the truth. Um, this is in, 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 in need, uh, for the sake of family dinners. You know, I was talking to a buddy today and she said that one of the marks of slavery is that your inheritance doesn't matter. You're merely a tool for somebody else and um, your generation doesn't matter except for the needs of somebody else. And that's actually, 
Uh, true, right? So, you know, what the whites will do to secure their inheritance is not negligible. <laughs> it's not negligible. That's the whole of you know, white supremacy is making sure the line goes down and the resources go down across generations. Not the whole of, but it's, it's, it's a part of it. So they talk about it being an individual game until we start talking about death taxes and inheritance taxes and connections that you get from the family. Then it's like, no, I, I, they, they want to keep those. They want to keep those. Um, and, and it's very important for them that black people don't have those kind of inheritances and that kind of network structure. So you have to think about what this means and you have to understand that the fight, insofar as you're serious about winning the fight, has to be, ha is going to go through dividing the ruling class against itself. Whatever the ruling class might be, if it's racialized, then it's dividing the whites. If it's just wealthy people, it's dividing the wealthy people. But they have to be on both sides of the fight. They can't just be on the other side because if they're, on the other, they're just on the other side, that other side will win. I guess this segues into why I think it's okay that James Franco is going to play Castro. Right, so Castro actually did good work for the um, Afro-Cubans. Um, and, and like, you know, people have complicated views about Castro, but if you're black in Cuba, like, and if you're black, even in the United States, no small number of Americans went to Cuban medical schools. And so, I mean, he was not only a net positive, he was almost a positive in every way. Right, so the white Cubans in Miami are white, <laughs> right? So this idea that, um, you know, Cuban Americans hate Castro and have convinced Americans to hate Castro, it's because he, they didn't, they were used to a system that was very comfortable treating black people like trash. And that system functionally ended um, with Castro's revolution. Castro was, also, Castro was also a rich white guy, which is once why it's okay that James... Uh, Franco play him because I think James Franco can play a rich white guy. And by the way, Franco I thought was okay in Indubious Battle. That he directed in Indubious Battle is one of my favorite Steinbeck books. It's kind of raw in its prose in a way that I appreciate. So, um, yeah, the fact that uh, you're playing Castro as a race trader, as a white race trader in Cuba is actually appropriate. Now, the movie's going to be trash because um, it's you know, produced and written by his, his daughter, who is a huge hater. And that's probably one of the only reasons that a movie like that could be, um, you know, given a budget to be produced in America. But James Franco as Castro is actually not the worst. Not the worst choice. Because he's white. And it's, I think it's very important that Castro is white. Um, because it, I'd be like trying to um, think about FDR FDR and forget that he was a rich guy. <laughs> it's very important that FDR, it's even kind of important that Kennedy is a rich guy. Any, um, like they're gonna, a real movement's going to include a large faction of the elite and the ruling class turning against themselves. So the puzzle we gotta figure out is how to turn, where are the sites of struggle to get the whites or the ruling class to turn against each other and understanding that that is the terrain of war and that's the analysis we need right and i think the schools are one of them pretty much any public accommodation that they also use we need to figure out a way to use and like it has to be like a raid trap where they go and they get the food and then they go and bring it home and then it kills all the roaches at the home you got to think of you got to think of justice as like 
think of justice like that. We want them to get it at the public accommodation where we all share and then bring it home and then have it like poison their homes, right? And then that's how white supremacy dies. And we need to fight on that level and kind of with that in mind. And this illusion that black people can do it autonomously in these United States is, is, is kind of ridiculous for a few different reasons. But what we can do is actually fight the struggle. And we need to do this, you know, as black people away from the whites, but understanding that we do this as black people, we're preparing for an attack because the attack is going to be on shared institutions and eventually white institutions. So we get out the whites through shared institutions like uh, public schools and public parks and whatever. And then we give, that's where we give them the poison to go take their home and hopefully take out their whole white institutions. That's, that's the goal. That's the implant. And that's how you're going to beat white supremacy. <laughs> so I hope this has been helpful. And um, by the way, if you like this, if you like anything I'm saying or you think more people should see what I'm saying, Go ahead and go to www.funkyacademic.com and kick in five, fifteen, or fifty dollars a month, and I'll keep doing what I'm doing, and you know, occasionally reading from Plato's Republic or anything like that, and and uh, kind of give you the quality of wisdom that I think you need in these times of woe and want, because nobody else is going to tell you that you need ruling class division if you're serious about progress. You need ruling class division if you're serious about progress, and it's not clear how to stoke ruling class division from the outside because they don't part of what it is for them to be ruling class they don't actually have to listen to you so you need to actually work out the institutions the common institutions you have with the ruling class and the ones in which they are vulnerable right to you so thank you for your time and i will talk to you next week about something reasonably different okay peace